Hi, and welcome to the Metropolitan Community Church of Tampa podcast. I'm Reverend Jacob Hero Shaw, Senior Pastor of MCC Tampa. In this podcast, you'll hear the readings and sermon from this week's service. If you'd like to view the entire service, please visit our YouTube channel. The link to that can be found in the program notes. Thanks. Take heart, beloveds. We are not an aimless people. It is the kingdom of heaven we desire. The path does not need to be clear. We need not fear if we wander or we stray. Love will be an ever-present guide, calling us with patience and truth. As we go, we practice healing. We keep learning and unlearning. We right our wrongs. We set down our defenses, our power, our closed-minded thinking. The practice of justice will be our north star. Thanks be to God, our way in the wilderness. Amen. Good morning. My name is Christine Phillips, and today's first reading is from the book Outing the Bible by Reverend Elder Nancy Wilson. We gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender people need to see ourselves and be seen as fully human, neither angels nor demons. I remember when we asked the World Council of Churches on behalf of MCC to consider including gay and lesbian people who are executed and tortured in many countries just for being suspected of being gay in their human rights agenda. We weren't asking them to support civil rights for gays and lesbians or to offer some kind of religious validation. We just sought human rights, meaning the right not to be imprisoned, tortured, exiled, or murdered simply for being homosexual. When they hesitated, having and hawing, whining that this was bad timing for the World Council of Churches, never mind the bad timing for those being abused and murdered, I realized the depth of the problem once again. They're not sure we're human. Human rights seemed to them to be an unreasonable request at this time. It made me remember that many people still see us as a behavior or an issue to debate, not as beings in need of safety or inclusion. Talking about human rights and gay and lesbian people in the same sentence was difficult for them to tolerate. The humanity of others is foundational for understanding the essential obligation of hospitality in ancient nomadic desert cultures. In biblical times, if you traveled anywhere in the Near East, you had to depend on the kindness of strangers and acquaintances alike. You had to treat the sojourner well because you might need to depend on someone yourself in the future. There was a common appreciation of the true vulnerability, the fragility of life in a desert climate. It was not a moral choice to be inhospitable. To do so was to violate the deepest commitment to being human and in community. Good morning, MCC. My name is Sam Asensio, and today's second scripture reading is from the Gospel of Matthew. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, 
then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven or was it of human origin? And they argue with one another, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then do you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same, and he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believe him, and even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. Will you pray with me, please? God, on this day of celebration and lament, we ask that you open our hearts to your word. Amen. So here we are on World Communion Sunday, a day when we come together with many denominations and celebrate communion as one body of Christ. And it's also been 52 years since that amazing Sunday morning when Reverend Troy Perry held that first MCC service. And here we are in our living rooms, we're watching on our phones, and celebrating this founding of our denomination. In her book, Outing the Bible, that we heard a reading from this morning, Reverend Elder Dr. Nancy Wilson pointed out that many of us who identify as LGBTQ have gotten used to not being seen as fully human. She says that we need to see ourselves as fully human. And she tells this story of MCC going to the World Council of Churches and asking them to expand their human rights agenda to include gay and lesbian people. Now, this wasn't about making a religious statement. This wasn't about standing up for civil rights or talking about marriage equality or anything like that. This was about talking about human rights, realizing the reality that many people in many countries around the world were being tortured, arrested, executed for merely being suspected of loving someone of the same gender. And the World Council of Churches told the leaders from MCC that the timing wasn't right. Listen to these words. 
that Reverend Nancy wrote. I realize the depth of the problem once again. They're not sure we're human. Human rights seemed to them to be an unreasonable request at this time. It made me remember that many people see us as a behavior or an issue to debate, not as beings in need of safety and inclusion. Talking about human rights and gay and lesbian people in the same sentence was difficult for them to tolerate. The World Council of Churches was struggling to see us, to see our community as human. Struggling to recognize the humanity of gay and lesbian people. And in this way, the World Council of Churches represented a, a system of power. Power to choose rejection over inclusion. And how often do we see this? That when there is power, there is rejection instead of inclusion. This is a problem in organized religion, not just the World Council of Churches. This is a problem that for some reason happens when religions organize. And it's not just a problem for gay and lesbian people, but for disenfranchised people of all kinds. Even in the time of Christ, we saw this. Is it any wonder that Jesus got exasperated and he reminds the people that the stone that the builders rejected became the chief cornerstone. Yet even in the scripture that we heard this morning, we hear a passage that throughout centuries has been used to perpetuate more harm. And this is a tough scripture. This is once again one of those scriptures that is used in a divisive way, is used to justify prejudice, anti-Semitism. The slave language that we hear in this passage has been used to harm people of color in this country and elsewhere, even long after what we know of slavery in this country had officially ended. Traditionalist readings of this passage have told us that this is all about Christianity coming in to replace Judaism. And in that interpretation comes quite a lot of anti-Semitism. Often when religious authorities are talked about in the New Testament, when Jesus is calling out the behavior of those in power, people today misread that into Jesus calling out Jewish people in general. In Jesus' context, this is about certain people, religious authorities, people who had power over other people and were misusing that power. Isn't that a familiar thing today? People with power over others misusing that power. And some commentators point out this passage shows that Jesus' message 
is actually consistent with the messages that came before, messages of hope, messages of inclusion. And Jesus' critique of the Pharisees is that they aren't listening. It's that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and all of those who are against him aren't listening, not just to him, but to the prophets who came before, the prophets who they say they are so deeply connected to and led by. They have ignored the cries for justice, cries that came from Amos and Hosea and Jeremiah, cries from Isaiah and so many others. Jesus is saying that there is corruption. Jesus is saying, let's go back to that message of love and grace. Jesus is crying out for redemption and inclusion where we see exclusion, where we see imbalances of power. And over the centuries, the Christian church has looked at this passage and seen it as permission to perpetuate harm. Isn't that the way it goes? For those who have experienced exclusion, those who have experienced oppression, so often turn around and oppress someone else. What do we do as a community? What do we do as followers of Christ when our actions fall short of God's love and grace? Christianity has gotten so good at casting people out that we can so easily forget the calling of inclusion. As a follower of Christ, I hope that you believe in human rights. Human rights are a challenge if we don't see the other, as human. When you've been told that you aren't human, when you've been told that you don't deserve human rights, it is easy to dehumanize other people. But we can move beyond that. Homophobia thrives when people let themselves see others as less than human. Someone once asked me long ago, why would gay people want to get married? This was before marriage equality. And this person asked me, is it for tax cuts or what? And I was kind of taken aback and I, I said, well, no, I mean, it's like because we love each other. And this person who I truly believe meant well I do trust this person's intention, did not actually know that it was psychologically and physiologically possible for two people of the same gender to actually experience love with one another. They thought that this was something else. That is dehumanizing language, even coming from people who don't realize that they are doing the dehumanizing. Sometimes the places where we do the most harm are the places where we are unaware of our own harmful behavior. Similarly, racism thrives when we refuse or are unable or are unaware of racism itself. When we cannot call it as such, it is allowed to grow and thrive. If someone 
does not recognize that the mistreatment of people of color is a problem. It indicates that the people of color are not being seen as people. You cannot advocate for human rights if you do not realize that the people for whom you are needing to advocate are actually human beings. Yet I am asking myself some questions about my own judgments, my own parameters of who I include and who I exclude on this sacred Sunday, this day that we celebrate the founding of our denomination, the founding of the place where we have found a spiritual home, this day that always coincides with World Communion Sunday, so poignant for a denomination to celebrate its founding on the same day that we celebrate World Communion Sunday when this is a denomination that is full of people who have been turned away again and again from communion tables. Can I, at this table, recognize everyone's humanity? Can I even recognize the humanity in the people who do not recognize my humanity? If I refuse to recognize the humanity of someone else whose humanity is lost, not theirs, mine. I'm just going to say it. I was horrified at the, the celebrations of the death of RBG, the people who celebrated that death. And yet I cannot be self-righteous and horrified about that. And then a little while later, be joyful that someone has got COVID-19. It is hard to see someone else as a human when you have felt dehumanized. I, I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you that Jesus wants us to be human. Our humanity matters. I say that we follow Jesus. I say that we follow Jesus into those high places where people of authority seek to do harm. And we acknowledge their humanity. We acknowledge the humanity of people who think that our marriages don't matter and shouldn't exist. We look for and believe in the humanity of those very same people who have made it legal for a trans person to be denied every single type of medical care for any reason, just because they're trans. Change won't happen until we see each other as human. We recognize the humanity in the same people who wrote a memo that went out on how to recognize a trans woman of color so that you can throw her out of a homeless shelter. It pains me, but it is what we must do.
we can and we must denounce racism, homophobia, transphobia, classism, sexism. We must denounce white supremacy. And I hope we do not lose our souls in this battle. Let's hold on to who we are, who we fundamentally are. Because some of us might be feeling a bit spared this year that we have an excuse to not gather at the Thanksgiving table. Because that is often a place of of shouting and division. What would it be like to look at those who judge us those who pain us and see them as human. Our communion table transcends all. Today, we will celebrate communion with the world. We will celebrate communion from our table, from your table. We will partake in the body of Christ alongside throughout the world a people who do not believe that we should have access to it. And yet, here we are. Here we are with our lives saved by the work of Troy Perry and all of our early founders and all of those who for over five decades has, have sustained this movement so that we can go to that table and we can claim our humanity back from those who took it away from us and instead of stomping on their heads as we do it, we can raise them up as human beings worthy of love. I honestly believe that's the only way transformation can happen. The only way that healing can happen is if all of us can see each other as human Beloved family, I cannot wait to celebrate more anniversaries, to celebrate at this communion table with all of us here together in this room. So wear your mask, wash your hands, stay safe, so we can be back together soon. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed the Metropolitan Community Church of Tampa podcast. If you'd like to view our entire service, please visit our YouTube channel. Today's program was edited, directed, and produced by my wonderful husband, Alan Hiroshaw.